0: Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Bethany, come on up. Um, Tom, do you have a mic? Last week, after, after our um, time of teaching, um, I taught on, on the importance of relationship. And the importance, one of the ways to develop a relationship with God is through the Word. That's one of the best ways He says in the Bible That we are not to be conformed to the world Or pressed into the mold of the world But the better way Is to be transformed By the renewing of our mind We talked about the fact that um, In order to be renewed We need an encounter with Him One of the ways that we can encounter Him Is through the Word and after we got done, Beth and I were talking and she was sharing some instances of when she, God has spoken to her so, um, so beautifully through the word and it has caused her to be renewed in a great way. And I said, would you share an example or two of that next week? I said, that would be a, just, in, it's like an object lesson. You know, I, I don't want to just tell you stuff. I want to have background to back up, to back up what we say about the word. So that's what she's going to do right now.
1: Well, I, um, so anyways, I mm-hmm. came to this class originally for healing mm-hmm. and I have found so much, so power. much more, so much. Yes. Power. And I can stand before you mm-hmm. now and tell you I am a recovering control freak. <laughs> like <laughs> control freak. <laughs> and, and so God's just, you know, I, I go and I open up the Bible and he's just popping out things to me that are just like, I never even thought. One of them that came to mind was um, James 4, 7. We all know okay. it. submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Yes. Well, everyone loves resist the devil and flee from you, but they forget the submitting to God. And he's a control freak. Well, I didn't yeah. want to do that. <laughs> but, you know, he told me, he goes, submitting yourself, you don't know, unless you're in the Word. You don't know what you're submitting to. You know, you mm-hmm. don't know. Unless you're in the Word and you know what He wants you to do, yeah. and so that's just you know what He's been working on me. And every single day, something pops up, and He's like, "Okay, work on this now." Okay, you have this
0: temptation, so we're gonna work on this now. And um, and it's done with love. It's just oh, a- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And and
1: it's been through its tears. Yeah, He's told me yeah. some really hard things, and He's like, "Okay, I love you. We're gonna <laughs> deal with yeah. this one now." And I'm like, "Yeah, oh, do we yeah." Need to
0: <laughs> well, you know what? How many of you have had the same situation? All of us, all of us, absolutely. But it's—he does it because that's what's going to take you to the next step. Right. Yes. Right.
1: So it's not—it's not just the healing. Mm-hmm. It's the so healing, much more. But it's healing everything. It's healing the soul. Yeah. You know, and making you just yes. a better person. Yes. Yes.
0: So. Amen. Look at this beautiful woman. Isn't she gorgeous? She came with cancer, according to the doctors, according to healed the doctors. whole, made beautifully well. So thank you so much for sharing. Okay. I'll, I'll let you give that to Tom. Um, this, this is uh, along the same line, and I hope I, this is something that happened on the way here, and I hope my cousin doesn't care if I share it because I know she's going to listen. So I hopefully she won't mind if I share. But I have a cousin, a beautiful cousin, Who Kent and I have been um, ministering to She doesn't live in the area So she's not able to come um, To these meetings But she always listens online And she's been dealing She doesn't even have a diagnosis But she's been dealing with a lot of symptoms And a lot of pain And I called her today um, On the way here And I just knew You know how sometimes you just know You need to talk to somebody And I hadn't talked to her in a while So I called her And she's had nine straight days of pain Without any relief and she's having a really hard time staying in the Word and, and not focusing on the pain and the symptoms. But this is what God did for her today. Actually, I think it was yesterday she told me. She was reading a Bible, and she was reading in Corinthians. And in the midst of her reading, she said that she saw a Scripture reference. And it was Psalm 138, verse 7 and 8. She had no idea what Psalm 137, verse 7 and 8 were. This is what it is. I I didn't have my Bible with me in the car, so I said, will you read it to me? And she did. And I I opened it because I wanted to share it with you. In the midst of all of this pain that she's dealing with and all of the unknown, sometimes the unknown can be really difficult, right? This is what God told her. This is how awesome he is. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerns me. Your mercy and loving kindness, O Lord, endure forever. Forsake not the works of your own hands. Is that amazing? That's how... Awesome God is. So in the midst of this time when she is so deep in the pit that she can't even get out of it on her own God put that literally in front of her eyes when she was reading Corinthians. That's how good God is. He has given us this precious gift of his word. And as we encounter him, that's what happened with my my cousin That's what's happened with Beth over and over and over and every one of us who have read the word have had that happen where he speaks to us through his word right to our heart, just what we need just when we need it. Last week when we were starting to talk about relationship I I simply said and I've got to say it again that you can't trust someone you don't know. You can't have faith If you don't know God personally, so all amen. So although this is such a fundamental teaching, it is so important to develop a relationship with God and to consistently seek Him and to consistently pursue Him, because that's how He talks to you, and we all need it, and we all need it desperately. So today we are still in lesson seven, which is developing a relationship, but today we're going to talk about prayer and we're going to talk about praise and worship. So, we're actually starting on Foundation 4, page 46. We're talking about prayer. And then we're going to go into praise and worship. I, re- I just switched up the order a little bit. Prayer is one of the components of developing a relationship with God. Prayer is communing with God. How cool is that? Prayer is the turning of the human soul to the living God. Prayer is the greatest power. In the world. Did you know that Jesus himself. Prayed to his father continuously. Jesus. Jesus got up before dawn to pray. Jesus found time and privacy. To talk to his father constantly. So we're going to look at what Jesus did. We're going to look at his example first. I love to look at Jesus as the example. But I. I, Sorry I just remembered another part of the testimony. I I don't want to forget. My cousin that had had nine days of pain. After she told me a little bit about it and told me about the scripture God gave her, I said, okay, let's pray. And guess what? The pain went just like that. Yeah, prayer is powerful. Prayer is powerful. Okay, let's look at Hebrews 5, verse 7. This one is written out in your um, Bible study, so you don't need to open it unless you want to open your own Bible and highlight it. Hebrews 5, 7. This is Jesus. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up definite special petitions for that which he not only wanted, but needed, and supplications with strong crying and tears to him who was always able to save him out from death. And he was heard because of his reverence toward God, his godly fear, his piety, in that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of his Father. This is Jesus, guys. This is Jesus. It says in the scripture that he went to God with crying and with tears, not only for what he needed, but what he wanted. Not only for what he wanted, but what he needed. This is Jesus, the Son of God, fully man, completely man, but completely God. He prayed with loud crying and tears wow, that really helps me to know it's okay to go to God with crying and tears. How many of you have gone that way? Yep. He wants us to. When my kids are really hurting, I want them to come to me even when they're crying and in tears. I want them to. And so does Father God. I'm going to take a little bunny trail because I think it's important to do this right now. Um, this scripture, I, I I believe, was probably the setting of the Garden of Gethsemane, when Jesus was knowing he was going to go through what he went through for you and for me. If you look in Luke chapter 22, it shows this same, I believe it's the same time that Jesus was crying out to God in tears. Luke 22. Starting with verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives as he was accustomed. He was accustomed to going there and praying. And his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and prayed, saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now Jesus, in this setting, was crying out with such agony, with such passion. And he said to his father, Father, if it's your will, take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The reason I wanted to go here is because that prayer is often prayed incorrectly when you're fighting something that is a sickness or a pain or something that's very hurtful in your life. Jesus prayed that prayer, I believe, when you look at the Hebrews scripture that's in your book. It said that he shrank from the horrors of separation from the bright presence of his father i believe that's why he was crying out because he knew he was going to be separated and that was the worst thing imaginable he was going to be separated from his father we don't know what that would be like we're not going to know if you're a jesus believer if you're a, a child of the living god you're never going to be separated from him but jesus knew he was going to be let me ask you a question jesus prayed if it be your will take this away from me in the bible when jesus was on this earth in the four gospels did he ever not heal there was one time in 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 his own hometown where there was a lot of unbelief and offense but other than that did he say, no, nope, not going to heal you? No, he didn't do that. When there were people that were in need, they were healed. He had a heart of compassion and 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 he was uh, uh, exemplifying the heart of the Father. He was the perfect, he was, he is the perfect image of Father God. So if we pray that, that prayer, if it be your will, when it's in the area of healing, it doesn't even compute because it is God's will to heal that's what Jesus did when he was on this earth and Jesus hasn't changed he's the same but this particular scripture causes people to have wrong thinking and that's why I wanted to use the Hebrew scripture about Jesus was crying out to God but it was because of the, the knowing that he was going to be separated another piece of evidence that Jesus died for you With all his heart in it Is Hebrews 12 verse 2 And in that verse This is what it says And I'm just paraphrasing It says that For the joy Set before him Of obtaining the prize He went to the cross For the joy (laughs) Here he was In the garden of Gethsemane Crying out in agony praying but hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 says for the joy of obtaining the prize that was set before him he went to the cross for you and for me because he loves us so much he would do anything with amazing love if it was just one of us he would have given his life for us and taken the stripes on his back for us That was a big rabbit trail, but I thought it was important because that's a scripture that's so often misinterpreted um, in a way that is very damaging to your faith and to your walk in the area of healing. So, the little, the little um, blank, sentences with blanks. Jesus prayed for what he wanted and what he needed. Jesus, our model, Jesus, our example Jesus, the Son of God, prayed for what he wanted and what he needed. He brought his needs to the Father with strong crying and tears. So if Jesus can come to the Father with strong crying and tears, boy, so can we. He was heard because of his reverence towards God. He was heard because he reverenced God. Because, and and it's said in the Luke scripture that the angel came and strengthened him. He was heard God gave him the strength to do what he was set in front of him. So that's one example of Jesus. Now we're going to go to a couple more. Would you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Jesus had a lifestyle of prayer. When I'm reading the Gospels, I always take special note of when Jesus prayed. He did it all the time. Verse 35. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Now what I just want to note real quickly is what he did the day before and the day after. So this was in the morning before daylight. But the day right before that, in the same chapter, verse 21, he entered the synagogue and he taught. And in the midst of his teaching, there was a man with an unclean spirit. And guess what he did? (laughs) He cast that thing out. And then after he had had his day in the synagogue teaching and preaching, he went to Peter's house. This is verse 29. This is in the evening. So he'd been at the synagogue all day. And in the evening he went to Peter's house and Peter's mother-in-law was sick. So he went to his mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law laid hands on her and the fever left her. He healed again. Then I'm presuming they had dinner because it says mother got up and made dinner and then and served them. And then verse 32 at evening when the sun had set, they brought to him all who were sick. And those who were demon possessed and the whole city was gathered outside the door (laughs) They were hearing about this healer The whole city came it's after sunset. It's after dark. This has been a long day And then all those people came they opened the door and there's a whole city there everybody in need and he healed all of them And this is actually where it says that that prophetic word from isaiah was fulfilled He healed all who were sick so it's late at night. He probably, after all of that, he goes in and goes to sleep. And then before daylight, he gets up and prays. He goes to a solitary place and prays. Then right after that, verse 38, it says, um, they, they, the disciples said, everyone's looking for you. And he said, let's go to the next town that I may preach there also because it's for this purpose that I've come forth. So then he went, traveled, taught, preached, so in the midst of all of that, Jesus, the Son of God, what did he do? Prayed. He stopped. He got away from everybody and everything. Early in the morning before sun up, he went to a solitary place, place and there he prayed. He needed the Holy Spirit's presence. He needed the, the rejuvenating He needed it, just like we do. If he does, how much more we do. Okay, the next two scriptures are we're going to go to real quickly. They're both in Psalms um, 63 and 88. So let's turn to both of them. Psalm 63 and Psalm 88. We're talking about prayer, communing with the living God coming into that place of, of encountering him like we do in the word but talking in just a conversation with him so psalm 63 verse 1 oh god you are my god early will i seek you my soul thirsts for you my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water Notice it says, early will I seek you. The full meaning of that word in the Hebrew is to seek him eagerly and earnestly before sunup. To seek him eagerly and earnestly before sunup. And in Psalm 88, verse 13, it says, But to you I have cried out, O Lord, and in the morning my prayer comes before you. Now, if you read this whole psalm, all of Psalm 88, it's really depressing. I shouldn't say that. I guess none none of God's word, I should even use that word with God's word. But it's about a person who's in the midst of a bad trial, a bad season, like my cousin was today when I talked to her. She was so, so down. And that's what this psalm sounds like when you read the whole thing. But in the very middle of it, in the very middle of it, the person is crying out and says, "But to you, Lord, but to you, Lord, have I cried out? And in the morning, my prayer comes before you." Now the point I'm making with both of these psalms, and, and actually Mark: 135 as well, is that very often the Bible directs us to pray early early in the day why do you think that is there's nothing wrong with praying in the middle of the day or in the evening <laughs> absolutely but why do you think it often talks about praying early in the morning just Elise? It day. okay i love it just like eating a good breakfast they say that's the most important meal of the day so you get off on a good start yeah how about you kim Okay, because if you get busy doing everything else, you might not take time to pray because everything else gets in the way. Okay, I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I love it how his faithfulness is new every morning. I, I'm a morning person, and I, I'm so I probably am not a good person to stand here and, and preach. <laughs> but in the morning, nothing has happened. I don't have all the stuff of my day. I don't have all of the things going through my head yet. Sometimes I even do while I'm praying even before i've started my day sometimes those things start to go in my head but when they do i ask the holy spirit and i say holy spirit keep those distractions away no distractions i'm not allowing any distractions get out of my head in jesus name and the holy spirit does he just helps me but in that in that time of praying first thing in the morning you're giving god the first part of your day And before all, like Kim said, before all of the stuff starts happening and the busyness takes you away, and then you have too much to do to take a moment to pray. When my grandson was here for the last three weeks, I had a whole new (laughs) appreciation for parents who have families because when I was saved and started this journey, my kids were in um, a senior in high school and college. So I didn't have little kids at home. So I could get up without kids, and it was no problem because they wanted to sleep all day. But what I saw when, I, when my grandson was waking up early, it was like I had to wake up earlier. It was like I had to have that time alone with God before my day started. When I, um, you know, was working, I, people thought I was nuts when I told them what time I got up. But I really wanted to have that time alone with God before my day started. And oh my gosh, how, how big of a difference it makes in your day when you start out with him. Now that's not to say that you need to be legalistic about it. You might be a, a nighttime person like Yvonne. She's not here tonight. She had something else going on. But she's a nighttime person. She is not a morning girl. And her best time with god is at night so you you god knows you and you know him so don't be legalistic about it but do set aside a time and and like kim said don't let other things take you away from him make sure you set aside that time to be in communion with him and have time to pray just like jesus did okay let's look at philippians chapter four philippians four So we've talked about, like Jesus, it's important to take time to pray. And Philippians 4 talks about what to pray. Starting with verse 6. The word says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and thanks and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of god which surpasses all understanding will guard your heart and your mind through christ jesus this is good so what does god tell us to pray for everything there's nothing too little Uh, so many of us say oh i don't want to bother god with that that's not a big deal but it is to him if it is to you if it's something that you desire or something that you need or something that question that you have or a concern that you have, whatever it is, he wants you to talk to him about it. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Nothing. When, when my daughter-in-law was getting ready to, to make the trip, both directions, she traveled alone with, with Colton Uh, i'm not going to go into the reasons why it was business related with my my son but she had to fly by herself and this little guy's nine months old and he never sits still when he's awake and she she's a powerful woman of god (laughs) she's an amazing daughter-in-law but she called me about two days before the flight and she said mom will you pray with me (laughs) she said i'm feeling kind of nervous about flying alone with colton and so i said oh yeah absolutely we'll pray so we did, but that's what we did, what God says to do. He says, don't be anxious about anything. Pray, come to me, give me your request, your specific request. That's what supplications means. It's a specific request. And that's what we did. We went to God and we made a specific request. On the way home, we did the same thing when she was traveling home. And the spe- We were really specific on the way home. It was a nighttime flight, and... The request was that there would be empty seat next to her, and that he would sleep well because it was a nighttime flight. And on the first leg of the flight, she texted me when she got, you know, where she could text me, and she said, "Mom, there was an empty seat next to me," and um, and he slept for I think two and a half hours. So I was like, "Yes, praise God!" And then um, I was middle of the night. It was one o'clock in the morning when I got the text, and so I was just talking to God as I was in bed and. This is what God told me. It was so cool. He said, I'm going to supersize her desire. He's never told me anything like that before. And I was half asleep, and I was kind of smiling. Okay, God, you're going to supersize her desire. And my phone went ding for a text, and it had only been like five minutes since she texted me the first time. And I looked, I put my glasses, and I looked at my phone, and it said, Mom, this time I have a whole row to myself. LAUGHTER <laughs> and I texted her back and I said, yep, God just told me he was going to supersize her. <laughs> the point I'm making, Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7 says, bring all your requests. Don't be anxious about anything. Bring all your requests with thanksgiving. Notice the with thanksgiving part isn't at the end after you get the, the result. The with thanksgiving part is when you, when you take God the request. Pastor Dino taught on this this Sunday. It was awesome. And and it was about the prayer of faith is what he was teaching about. And he said, and it was so powerful and it was a good reminder for me because sometimes we all forget. And he said, once you've made your request to God, boy, start thanking him and thank him and thank him and thank him. One of the requests that I made years ago, and I've consistently been standing and believing God, and that is that all of my children will serve the Lord. And my son and my daughter-in-law, the one I was just telling about, completely serving the Lord. And my other two kids are kind of (laughs) tiptoeing in and out. And so as because of Pastor Dino's message, I have been constantly saying, as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. My children will serve the Lord. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God, that my kids are serving the Lord. Thank you, Father God. Oh, thank you that Megan and Adam are serving the Lord. Thank him. Pray. Don't worry. Pray. Thank him. And then what? What does he do for you? Oh, yeah. Peace that peace is awesome That peace is awesome. I think sometimes we don't let god give it to us I think sometimes we think we need to stir up that little worry thing in our hearts He says no He gives us peace and that peace is for a purpose That peace according to his word guards our mind and our heart so that junk can't get in and so that we stay in that position of peace. But in order to keep that peace, we have to take captive all the other junk. And that's what the scripture goes on to say, and I'm not going to go there right now. But you need to fill your mind with God's stuff. And that's the guard. The peace is the guard, the guard over your heart. To protect you. Because there is a whole lot of stuff out there to get in. Receive it. Accept it. Say right now, God, I receive your peace. peace. Let's just take a minute and let his peace soak in. We receive your peace, Father God. We receive your amazing peace. And we thank you that it guards our minds. It guards our thinking. It guards our heart. Thank you, Father God, for your peace that carries us through in every need that we have. Thank you, Father, for that peace. Okay, would you please turn with me to Luke 11. I wish we had more time. (laughs) I'm just looking. Oh, boy. Um, There are two scriptures here that I'd like to read, Luke 11 and Luke 18. And they are both about persistence in prayer. The first one, if you look at chapter 11 in Luke, it begins with the model prayer. It's where Jesus shares the Lord's Prayer. When the apostles come to Jesus and say, teach us how to pray. And then right after he tells them, pray like this. He says, when you pray, say this. And he says the Lord's Prayer. And then right after that, he says to them, verse 5. And he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, oh, don't trouble me. Um, <laughs> contacts okay (laughs) the door is now shut and my children are now in bed i cannot give it to you i say to you though he will not rise and give to you because of his friend yet because of your persistence he will rise and give to you as much as he needs and then it goes on so i say to you jesus tells this little story which is kind of strange and then immediately he says so i say to you, ask." And it will be given to you seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you for everyone who asks Receives and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks it will be opened So god jesus jesus tells a parable about this friend who comes at midnight to borrow bread And the person that they, the friend knocks on the door says oh, Don't come bother me right now. My kids are sleeping You know go away But the friend doesn't stop Knocks again, knocks again, knocks again. And then the, the other person says, Okay, here, here's your bread. And then Jesus goes on to say, So ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Now, I believe that this is not a comparison, it's a contrast. It's not comparing this friend who has to knock and knock and knock and beg, and the other person doesn't want to get out of bed and give him bread. It's not comparing Jesus to that. It's contrasting Jesus with that situation. I believe that the part in here that we really need to look at is the persistence in faith, not persistence in begging, not persisting in pounding on the door, but persistence in faith. We're going to read another scripture in a minute, and it uses those specific words. This one, it just says persistence. But in the other scripture, it says persistence in faith. Because like we already said in Philippians, God says, don't worry, pray, and then thank God. It doesn't say, don't worry, pray, beg, pray, beg, pray, beg. That's not what it says. It says, don't worry, pray, and thank God. Okay, let's look at the other scripture and then we'll talk a little bit more. Turn to Luke 18. And the title of this section is the parable of the persistent widow. And I love the first verse. Then he spoke a parable to them that men ought always to pray and not lose heart. Okay, that alone is enough. I could stop right there. Jesus said, I'm telling you this parable so that you know that you should always pray and not lose heart. Okay, now let's look at the parable. And this is what he said. There was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him, saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because the widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continuing coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. (laughs) And here's the contrast. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. I like that part, speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And in the Amplified, it says, will he really find persistence in faith on the earth? So it talks about this contrast between the unjust judge who doesn't even revere God. And yet, because the widow continuously asks him, he gets tired and he says, okay, I'll do what she needs. But God says, how much more me? I'm the just God. How much more me? I'm the one who cares about you. I'm the one who loves you. And he says, I will. Take care of you. I will avenge you. That means cancer, go. That means arthritis, get the heck out of here. You are not welcome. He says he will avenge us, and he says speedily. But Jesus, I think. He he, the burden on his heart is. Won't you just be persistent in your faith? Won't you just believe? When I come, will I find you believing? Yeah, Beth, he's finding you believing. (laughs) Yeah. So many of us here. Yeah. And we're persistent in that. We choose life. We choose to believe God at his word. No matter what you see. No matter what you hear. We choose to believe God at his word. There may be a bunch of stuff that's getting in the way. That's really in your face. But God says, be persistent. Now, that prayer, what does that sound like? That persistent prayer. That persistent prayer sounds like a whole lot of thanking God. It sounds like asking God and then thanking Him. And continuing to thank Him. I told you in my life, I've been believing for something for my kids for a long time. And I haven't seen the full manifestation yet. And Pastor Dino reminded me, I need to thank God more. I do pray the word over them. I take God's word and I speak it out loud about my children. We've talked about the power in praying God's word. So I declare God's word and then thank Him for it. Declare God's word and then thank Him for it. That's what that persistent prayer looks like, sounds like. It's not begging. That's not what it is. Okay. What I would like to do now, we have 15 minutes. What I would like to do now is to shift gears a little bit. We talked about renewing your mind with the Word of God. We talked a little bit about prayer. What I would like to talk about now is praise and worship. This is foundation two in this unit, in this session, but there's only one paragraph. And as I have just sought god about this i can't wait to lesson 15 to talk about praise and worship because that's where it comes in this bible study and we will talk about it again in more depth and we'll talk about the victory that's part of praise and worship but what i want to talk about right now is the relationship building and how praise and worship is such an integral part of um, coming into a relationship with god and coming into that place of his presence where you come to know him so much that you believe him That's what faith is. That's the foundation of faith, is coming to know and trust him so much that you just believe him. You just trust him. So we're going to talk a little bit about praise and worship. So would you turn with me to Romans chapter 4? We've got like three or four scriptures. Romans chapter 4. Verse 20. So, hypothetically, if you're in the midst of a battle, it might be in your body or it might be in another area of your life because this applies to any area of abundant living. So if you're in the middle of a battle, there could be a time when you have been persistent and you haven't seen the results yet. That is a difficult time to be in, and that's a place where Um, We want to do everything we can do not to get in that place of discouragement. And praise and worship is a powerful tool to use to strengthen you. My my cousin today, when we talked, she needed somebody to come alongside her to help strengthen her. Praise and worship is one of those places where you can really gain strength. And that's what the scripture says. Verse 20 says, and I'm going to read from the Amplified. No unbelief or distrust made him waver. This is talking about Abraham, 99 years old. He had waited many, many years for the promise that God had given him. He hadn't seen the results. But this is what he said. No unbelief or distrust made him waver or doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God. In my other translation, it says he was strengthened in faith as he gave praise and glory to God. So in that process of praising and glorifying God, we're strengthened. We're strengthened in faith. So this is a healing class, and we know that God's part is done. It's completed. Our part is to simply believe. This is something, praise and worship is a piece that can help us to be strengthened, especially It's always important, but especially when you really need that extra strength. When you're in the midst of that battle, the enemy, oh boy, he's a liar. And it looks so real. In the natural, it is so real. But in the spiritual realm, it's a lie. Because Jesus defeated the enemy. He defeated sickness. He defeated death. He defeated whatever the problem is. So in the spiritual realm, it's a lie. So the question is, in order to break your agreement with that lie, you need to agree with God. And praise and worship is a great way to come into agreement with God. Let's look at Psalm 34. And then we'll talk a little bit more about that. Psalm 34. Love this psalm. Would you read it with me, please? Verses 1 through 4. You probably need to read from the screen so we all read the same version. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, and He heard me and delivered me from all my fears, so as we praise and worship, what we 're doing is we are spending our our energy we're using our voice and our words to magnify God and to exalt God and to agree with God to put into our hearts that's why it uses the words magnify and exalt to to in our heart Put God in his rightful position Which is above the problem Higher than the problem Bigger than the problem Instead of Staying in that place Where the problem is so big You can't even see around it You can't see over it or under it Or through it or around it When you praise God Something happens in the spiritual realm And it's, it's that Changing of your thinking. Remember, we're talking about renewing your mind. This is a part of renewing your mind because you're agreeing with God. When you're in that place of worshiping Him, praising Him, acknowledging who He is, that's what you're doing. You're changing your thinking. Instead of being focused on the problem, you're being focused on God. It's powerful. Many of the Psalms were written by David. And David was a worshiper. And one of the benefits that David had, and that is for you and for me, is that when we are in that place of worship, our eyes are open in a new way. And we have that, the eyes of faith, where we see with faith instead of what, what's going on in the natural. We see with faith. And as you continue to worship that is developed more and more to the point where not only do you see right in front of you with faith, but God gives you revelation. Like he did my, my cousin today when he gave her that, that word that says, your um, concerns will be perfected. Your concerns will be perfected. That's my part, Dana. That's what I'm going to do for you. So he gives us revelation in the midst of it. In the midst of praise, the eyes of your heart are, are literally expanded, and He shows you His heart for you. But you got to get your eyes off of the problem, and when you praise, that's what you're doing. Would you look with me at John chapter four twenty three? John four twenty three. I love the way Leslie's writing these scripture references down because they're not in there. And she's going to want to go and read these again at home. Okay, it says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. Got to read that one again. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. In the battlefield, one of the things that we typically do is we intellectually want to understand everything that's going on. But God's way is better. He said when worshipers come before him in spirit and in truth, in the spiritual realm, in that area of revelation that we were just talking about, where he's shining his light on the situation instead of the light of the doctor or whatever the report is or the symptoms or whatever. Because we want to intellectualize everything, but God has a better way. His way is in spirit and in truth. What does the Holy Spirit say about this? What is the Holy Spirit putting in your heart? It's probably a peace. I know that's what he did for me. I didn't understand so much. I didn't understand um, even the the sowing and reaping aspect of the word. I didn't understand so much at that point. But he gave me peace. The Holy Spirit just flooded me with peace that was beyond my understanding. So in spirit and in truth, the truth of the word, the Holy Spirit's revelation. That's what happens in the process of worship. It takes you beyond the intellect and into the, the place of the presence of Almighty God and what he has for you. And the last scripture I'd like to share about praise and worship is Hebrews thirteen fifteen. Hebrews 13, 15. I can stand here and tell you about worship and about praise and about how when we praise, God is made bigger and the problem isn't as big. I can tell you all that. But when you're in the middle of a battle, you're not going to probably feel like praising. You're not going to feel probably like putting on music and putting your focus on God. But look at what he says. Look at what God says. Verse 15. Through him, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. God says... Offer the sacrifice of praise. It's a sacrifice because it costs something. It's a sacrifice because it costs you something. It costs you time. It costs you comfort. It costs you um, energy. It costs you maybe doing something you don't feel like doing. And it requires faith. Because when you're in the midst of a, a whatever it is, like my cousin with the pain that she's been in for nine days, when you're in the midst of that, to start praising God takes faith. Now, faith doesn't mean that you have to feel faith. Faith is an action. And when you act, when you, on purpose, put on that music and start praising God, you are acting in faith. You are doing something that costs a lot. And it's powerful. That's why God says, offer the sacrifice of praise. Offer it to me. And he tells you what it is. He says that it's acknowledging him for who he is. You might not be seeing it, but you're saying, I acknowledge you, Jesus. You're my healer. I acknowledge you. You're the one that gives me peace. I acknowledge you. You're the one that takes care of me. You're carrying me the way a father carries his child. You're acknowledging him. When it says you're confessing, that means you're agreeing with him. You're agreeing he is who the word says he is. And you're glorifying his name. Giving him the sacrifice of praise in the midst of whatever it is you're going through. So relationship with God. Developing and constantly seeking To develop that relationship with Him, here are a few tips, practical tips. These are kind of like the ones at the end of this chapter, but I've just revised them a teeny bit. Number one, we talked about this last week, set aside a time to spend alone with your Father. Read a chapter from the Bible, spend some time in prayer, and take time to listen. Number two, keep a journal. Every time I teach this, God speaks to me if I've been negligent about journaling. So this last week, I got my journal back out. And I looked at the dates. <laughs> and I hadn't journaled in several months. And I started journaling again about the scripture that was just speaking to me. And, what, and, and and it's so cool. When you just start, the Holy Spirit just takes over. And what he's been sharing with me is Amazing. I need to make sure I'm consistent. I have to practice what I preach. So journal. Listen to him. Write down your thoughts. That's God speaking to you. Also, write down what God's doing for you on your journey. Write down the little God incidences like my daughter-in-law when God gave her the whole row of seats empty. Write down those little things that you prayed for and you see what he did. Keep track of those. And then look back at them when you need to see the goodness of God in your life. So number one is to set aside that time to pray and to read the Bible. Number two is to journal. And number three is to make a choice to praise God every day. You might want to praise God from, with your voice, with words, without singing. You might want to just talk to him in praise. You might want to read the book, find um, praise psalms. There's a lot of great psalms where you can praise God. Or other scriptures, or you might want to put on um, CDs or iPod or whatever, or Christian music or Pandora or whatever. Praise God. Take time, set aside time to praise God. Maybe in your car, maybe when you're getting ready in the morning. Praise God every day. Just see. You're going to fall in love deeper and harder and head over heels more and more and more and more and more because that's the way it works. You can't love him and seek him without him multiplying it back a hundredfold. Right? Right. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. Let's stand up. We're just going to worship and praise him and then we'll be available for prayer.